OTB Rugby. And uh, if everyone in Ireland's a wee bit worried, well, you've got yourselves to blame because it's your fault because it's what you did to them uh, in July last year that poked the bear properly. You know that. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Now you're welcome back. So news round, Michael McCarthy here in studio. Hello. Hi, Joe. And Richie McCormick. Hello to you. I have my mic turned on, Joe. Oh, it turned on very loud. <laughs> and the rest. And the rest. Hold on. Hold on now. I'll, try, I'll calm it down for you now. I was just getting too excited there with the news. <laughs> Up to 11. Jesus, Where are we now? the most excited I've ever heard of you. <laughs> I'm just mad busy. I love, being, I love being busy and excited. Yeah. What are you busy um, doing there? I'm, I'm busy putting together tonight's Tom Dunn show uh, as well oh. as you know cultivating tonight's news around Joe it's it's, oh. it's never any process for some of us uh, what have we got in store <laughs> a few Sinead tracks obviously for the day that's in it mm-hmm. and uh, new music from the likes of Jape and Wilco and uh, Thomas Walsh had a pug wash as well so loads very good uh, what is Sinead O'Connor's greatest song <clears throat> God almighty there's no picking that is there like every, like that's a completely subjective thing. Um, well, what's your favourite then? Um, what did you like, say to yourself? Well, I absolutely, one thousand percent, when I'm in for Tom Dunn on that Tuesday night, I'm playing that one. Do you know what? Um, she did a version of all kinds of everything with Terry Hall out of the special. Oh yeah, I saw that uh, do, during the rounds last week. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's it's gorgeous. You kind of think, all right, here we go, mm. uh, cheesy as all hell. But no, it's 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 lovely. It kind of brings out something that wasn't there in the song. Yes, um, yeah. Um, but like, I, I, yeah, like the, she's one of these people who are by the, there's so many different things that she tapped into. She like, she did trad really well. She did a whole Shannos album. Uh, she did. Uh, reggae at times as well, which she was very fond of. Obviously, Bob Marley a huge influence on her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, you can't hate nothing compares to you. Like you just like it's impossible. Yeah. Um, probably because it's written by Prince. But yeah, that's amazing. Black Boys on Mopeds is amazing. Thank you for hearing me. Is amazing. There's so many. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is on the way after ten o'clock. Richie is in for Tom Dunn. We should start the news round. So. Ireland played their opening game of their build-up to the World Cup at the weekend. Saturday against Italy, they won. I suppose, in some respects, if people were away for the bank holiday weekend and not paying uh, too much uh, attention, which would be understandable, there are two headline pieces of news. One, and I guess we have to say this because it's Ireland pre-World Cup. One, everybody hadn't suddenly gone off a cliff and a crisis uh, had ensued. Everybody looked uh, reasonably good for... Uh, the first match of the build-up to World Cup. So that's good. There's no uh, concern on that front. And then secondly, and this is inevitable, there were injuries. Uh, yes, indeed, there were. Uh, perhaps chief among them, Jack Conan, whose World Cup participation remains in serious doubt. The Leinster back row didn't travel with the rest of the Ireland squad to Portugal for this week's training camp. Conan was forced off before half-time of Saturday's win over the Azzurri and has remained in Dublin for rehab on a foot problem. His foot lost power. That was the word coming from Andy Farrell and his coaching staff. I keep hearing conflicting uh, information about what... I think it's because we don't know, by the way, really. Um, and I think Richie's probably right in saying it's in doubt. <laughs> but like in some cases, oh, it's not too bad. They're going to leave him at home as a precaution. And then another, you know, in other cases, it's like he could be out of the World Cup. So I really, really hope it's the former. I still have an image of Jack Conan, you know, sitting at the side of the pitch 
Was that in was that in the last World Cup? It must have been. I think it was twenty. You know, early, yeah. early in the tournament, um, you know, like and just like not even going back to the bench and just kind of realise it was over. Like, you know, it's not something um we need for him again, you know, and I think both for him personally and like, you know, selfishly, I think we're thinking about it from Ireland's point of view, is like the Jack Conan we saw towards the latter part of the Six Nations yeah. is the guy uh, you know, that like we we absolutely need four back rows, you know, for those big games, all at their best, all at the same time. Yeah. If we're going to have any chance, and Conan is one of those four. Yes, for sure. So Wednesday night rugby coming your way tomorrow. The South African squad has been named. Some big names names there out through injury as well, Rich. Yeah, Munster Lux, Jean Klein and Orgy Snyman have both been included in South Africa's squad for the Rugby World Cup. Klein has only played twice for his native country, having switched allegiance back from Ireland earlier this year. He made his debut in July. Four members of the 2019 World Cup winning squad, Andrew Pollard, Lacanio Am, Lou Dieger and Herschel Yanchis miss out. Illness for Dieger has opened the door for Klein. Pollard hasn't played since suffering a calf injury in May, while Am picked up an arm injury in Saturday's win over Argentina, Ireland's third pool match at the World Cup of course comes against the Springboks that is on September the 23rd at the Stade de France yeah I mean I'm picking up that injury this close to the World Cup disaster for South Africa he's just that good so it's a real pity it's huge news like I mean when he was taken off I think most people were saying it was taken off for precaution like you know this is ahead of the World Cup and obviously that's not the case I remember when we were talking you were talking to Brian O'Driscoll in here in November after Ireland beat South Africa and there was a discussion where I'm 100% paraphrasing here but the idea was Ireland didn't really beat South Africa because Am wasn't playing like that is the level that this guy is at he is their Brian O'Driscoll in in some ways and and, uh, you know, the fact that he's not out of the World Cup, it's, it's you know, you don't want to be celebrating injuries or anything like that. But no. just, again, this is huge news for Ireland. Pollard's a big, big, you know, it's, it's unsure as to where, you know, he would have fit in, I suppose, at this stage because he's been out so long. But they don't have a huge amount of numbers at uh, out half. They've named four the, scrum halves. Yeah. And it looks like Faf de Clark is going to be the, like, stand-in out half. The they moment, don't know where yeah. their out half situation is. They've they've been bringing players in who've been out for a while. They've been kind of te- road testing others. They seem to have major question marks as to who will be their starting ten at the World Cup. And like that's not an ideal situation for a team to be going into a World Cup in. And like in simplistic terms, it looks like they have like the best pack in the world. Like they've got Khaleesi probably coming back fit in time for the tournament itself. But they're half a half a team. Like the the backs need some serious surgery before they can go into that tournament it'll be interesting to see what, what South Africa rocks up in, in, in France and rugby championship hasn't gone well for them so we're going to whoop them <laughs> <laughs> yeah god <laughs> <laughs> how uncomfortable will we always be with us saying that about South Africa or New Zealand at any point in history and I suppose yeah, I, I don't know if I'll ever feel that way. I suppose we have no. to take good news as good news, though. No. And they definitely will not be as good a team without Am there in particular and with like no clear answers at 10. Yeah. Not a good place for a rugby team to be in. Yeah. I will get a tweet from somebody where Tone didn't travel across the airwaves. That was uh, an ironic point. I'm not <laughs> saying we're going to whoop them. Uh, somehow you suspect they'll still be there or thereabouts come the World Cup one way gotcha. or another. It's yeah, just yeah. what they do, so...
It's whether uh, or not they're, but they, it's the winning and losing in the tournament more than anything else. I don't think it's a yeah. question of whether or not they're going to be able to make quarterfinal, semifinals. Mm, I don't know. Um, Scotland seem pretty sure they're getting out of the group. I watched them, uh, you know, falter over the line against Italy or there last week, uh, but they're pretty sure they can get out of the group. So uh, you know that means good luck to them. Ireland are obviously getting to the traditional quarterfinal berth. So that's South Africa gone. Okay, uh, Italy as well have named their squad. Anything out of that? They uh, will go to France without Tommaso Menoncello, the centre, suffered a bicep injury in Saturday's loss uh, to Ireland at the Aviva. So that game has proved costly for both sides. OK. Uh, World Cup continuing. What happened today? Yeah, France's 4-0 thrashing of Morocco today set up a quarterfinal date with Australia at the Women's World Cup. Eugenie Le Sommer netted twice for Les Bleus, who faced the co-hosts in Brisbane on Saturday, while England will play Colombia in Sydney also on Saturday after the South Americans ended Jamaica's run with a 1-0 victory this morning in Melbourne. The FA, meanwhile, are set to appeal Lauren James' red card that will see her miss at least the quarterfinal. The Chelsea forward could receive longer than a standard one-game suspension and has apologised to Nigeria's Michelle Alozi for standing on her during the second half of yesterday's game uh, Michael in uh, an effort at full disclosure just one of those weekends where I was away and did not see much sport okay. one Go thing one thing I did see all over uh, social media in particular was the photo of Ball not over the line but I mean bloody oh hell oh my god was it, was it over the line nearly so. the best penalty shootout I've ever seen we did do a piece last week on USA in trouble not in good form and uh, Sweden duly did the business against them yeah, now you say Sweden did the business. Sweden held them off. Like, America were a good bit better than them, I would say, all the way through. But exactly the piece that we did, they just didn't have any bite and attack. Like, I mean, they had... The Swedish goalkeeper was brilliant all the way through. She made some really good... She made one save in particular that was... You know one of those... You know one of those things in football where you've watched football all your life and you know it, and somebody connects with the ball and you don't have to think anymore. You're just... Your instinct is goal. Mm-hmm. And it was, and then, you know, like rocket save, and then you see it from behind, it doesn't even look as good, but just that, you know, that connection equals goal. And she made that save. But other than that, they just half chances, you know, like not like messing around a little bit in you know near post saves all that kind of stuff like and just didn't have it but they were a good bit better than Sweden so that's the funny thing and then it goes Sweden to penalties were a tough watch. Yeah. yeah they were very negative like but you know they did the job they had to do and then they go to penalties and you know Megan Rapinoe off the bench her last World Cup like you know oh last kick of the game for, of her career for America yeah missed this penalty. is the target oh okay. over the bar next penalty over the bar again you know, so and then the keeper makes that's. I mean, you you've so rarely see it in the shootout. When you look at the angle of the ball being over the line, she's diving the wrong way because okay. <laughs> she had made the save. Ball goes up in the air, bounces, and then she dives backwards to hit it out again. And as you said, like it is one of those things that like is the full ball over the line. The technology says so. Yeah, um, hard not to feel sorry for them, you know. Like, and this is, you know, necessarily I would ne- necessarily be going for the slight underdog in mm. Sweden for the whole match, but just the way the shootout uh, panned out, feel very sorry for them. Then you have like Donald Trump attacking them and say, "This is the reason America is in the <laughs> the state it's in." America not great again. <laughs> what uh, is the feeling now, Rich, on favourites in the absence of the US? Um, <clears throat> people would have been saying England up until yesterday. But England were dire 
against Nigeria and that that performance really in Nigeria poor, yeah. should should really put an emphasis on Ireland's performance against them as well in the group because I think a lot of people are thinking on oh, Nigeria we should be beating these they were fantastic and they contained England really well and you know what it was actually the sending off Lauren James that probably scupper Nigeria because they were so well set up against like everybody knew what they were doing against their own uh, opposite number um, that it seemed that, that the England being reduced to 10 kind of unsettled Nigeria in a way and they ran out of legs they got them uh, to, t- to go the distance and they looked spent by the time Penos came around I would have said England up until yesterday uh, but I'm going to stick with Japan Japan have been fantastic a fantastic mm. team on the break and are coming through what one might describe as the favourable half of the draw okay. so it's really hard to, to, to figure out who's going to come through the semi-finals on the uh, the England-France side uh, but on the other uh, Japan should get there and if they do uh, they could uh, certainly go and win the lot the England match yesterday morning was really interesting. I watched on the BBC just to kind of get their perspective. I rarely do that. Uh, I'll normally say I did the same. It was really interesting. They really were really interesting. That one, they were brilliant, but they were so like England had a penalty given that was ruled out by VAR for a push in the back on Rachel Daly that you know it was technically a push in the back but everyone knows isn't a penalty uh, Lauren James was given a yellow card which was uh, changed to a red and then there was an incident in extra time where a Nigerian was pushed in the back by, by Lucy Bronze that probably should have been a penalty and what I was so surprised was on the BBC coverage that in every single bit of analysis they kind of took the not anti-England's the wrong word but they, they put their bias aside okay. which is something that I just don't feel like we see from like Ian Wright and Alan Shearer you know, in One their of the analysis. first words at the end of the match was that England have gotten out of jail here. The, this is what I was going to... Daylight robbery. They've gotten daylight, daylight robbery. robbery. And I was yeah. like, wow. From a BBC commentary of an English game, A, it's really instructive as to what you've just seen. And, and B, like it's it's so welcome to see something that's completely lacking in bias when everything else is like supremely jingoistic when you get to a, a men's World Cup um, so that was really refreshing they were basically actually, calling for the VAR on, on James yeah, yeah. like you know before before it was called but again that was very interesting but again I think the daylight robbery I might have been a bit extreme but Nigeria were very good Nigeria were the team that even before the 10 men I thought were more likely to score 10 women sorry yeah. <laughs> there, there's a bit of muscle memory uh, were uh, were more likely to score which was again surprising and I, I think Richie's right it does put into context Australia sauntered through yesterday Yeah, you know Canada are gone yeah. and Nigeria very unlucky to be out to the European champions I think we underestimate the the group again that Ireland were in and the performances that we put in in each of the three games it's a fair point because I remember in advance of the Nigeria game Vera Pau was interviewed pitch side and she said I know Nigeria are ranked 40th in the world but trust me they're a top 10 side it's just the opposition they play against routinely doesn't afford them the ranking points per win that they would have in other parts of the world mm. and of course Vera Pau and any manager is going to slant things in their favour but maybe increasingly based on what you're saying about yesterday's game she was right about Nigeria they could well be yeah. at that level Rich next story is down, uh, sorry, sorry? Yeah. their penalties really let them down there was okay. just too much nerves I mean one of the one of them was skied like in a way that like you haven't seen since Chris Waddle you know like um, yeah. uh, and England's Eng- England after a bad start like we're talking Alan Shearer top corner penalties like uh, Daly put one in the top corner Kelly at the end as good penalties as you'll see so I think sometimes that kind of tournament experience is probably what won it for them in the end Derry City then Richie? 
Yeah, really interesting news this. Derry City seeking permission from UEFA and the FAI to play the second leg of their Conference League qualifier with Tobol at Windsor Park. The Candy Stripes are unable to host the Kazakh club at the Ryan McBride Brandywell as it doesn't meet the UEFA criteria for third qualifying round ties. Derry had been set for a move to Tallis Stadium for the second leg, but it's understood the Irish FA and Linfield have no objections to Derry playing at Windsor Park. Okay. Uh, Frank says, I'm not being flippant, lads, but... Does it really matter what South Africa team we play? It's all coming down to France, New Zealand. Win, lose to South Africa. Does it matter? Says Frank. I was very much in Frank's boat until Rory O'Connor last week on our rugby chat made the argument that the way the World Cup falls is the uh, quote-unquote winnable games first and then it's South Africa and then there's a week-long gap for player welfare reasons and then Scotland. Mm. And actually he was saying say you lose to South Africa suddenly that big long gap when they're off doing bungee jumps and all that crack that becomes a slightly more pressurised the Scotland game is a bit of a pressure cooker game whereas if they beat South Africa then hey lads feed up have a few drinks feel good and we slingshot into the Scotland game without any of the pressure hanging over the group and I thought that was a fairly yeah. it's not interesting as argument it's not Ah, it's a gimme. We're going to whoop South Africa, (laughs) and that's a gimme. It goes to the same with whoop Scotland. Sure, look what they did at Murrayfield against us. We had Josh van der Fleer in throws. They didn't even think to put anyone up at two. Keen Healy and uh, Hooken, yeah. Ah, they're a joke. Come on. No, I do agree that they're a joke. I mean, well, you know, clip that. (laughs) I'm just tempting. I'm just thinking, is anyone going to clip this? I said we whoop South Africa, and Scotland are a joke. Is anyone listening? Yeah. yeah. No, I've got one word and two syllables, lads. Tonga. Have yeah, a few people have flagged that. Got a lot of big oh names my back. God. They'll be yeah. tough. No, look, of course, of course, Scotland. Like neither South Africa in particular, and then you can't. Scotland is far from a gimme, and for sure. But winning South Africa, it just because Scotland are not a gimme. Yeah, absolutely. All the more reason, all the more reason to beat South Africa, and then ha- don't have this week of intensity. And I also oh. think you beat South Africa, you have that kind of like feel good week. You go and beat Scotland. And that so it's, matters it's, uh, as well yeah. it, it's not going to control who we play out of New Zealand and France they'll do that but yeah. I think you just take it as it's given they're, they're, they're the two best sides of the tournament probably we have to play one of them yeah. you know let's be informed and confident sorry I keep saying a week it's two weeks two weeks because it's a gap week yeah so this tournament's going to be a long stint yeah. by the way slog yeah there's no, I mean, it's, no it's, weekday games this year is there maybe the odd one what they tend to do is chuck in the Weaker teams are told you go out every four days, and the your big, player welfare doesn't matter as much. Well, their word, your words, not mine, Michael. But I don't think it's even the case anymore. Whereas the big, the big boys are obviously week on week with a two week gap, so it's well spaced out. I think what starts seventh of September, and I think goes the final is on the twenty eighth of October. Right. So I break the back of the winter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it goes on and then the November internationals are a couple of weeks later, aren't they? no uh, we, we started off in shorts and putting up the Christmas decorations by the time it's over yeah uh, didn't rain today few, few, it did few spits and yeah. were there I got, I got caught in a little shower but oh, yeah God. it was better better than it has been Kieran McGinney then taking the clothes Joe what are you on about or did you Kieran McGinney yeah. so this this vote was flagged as being uh Potentially sticky for him as to whether he'd get another term. In the end, it was comfortable enough. 
Yeah, he sailed home. Uh, Kieran McGinney is going to continue on as our mass senior football manager for a tenth season after winning that vote at a meeting of club delegates last night. The majority of clubs in the county voted for the 51-year-old to remain on, while the Armagh Management Committee unanimously recommended his retention to those delegates. Armagh were beaten on penalties by Monaghan at the quarter-final stage of the All-Ireland Championship this summer. Uh, staying up north, and Brian Dewar and Fergal Logan are expected to be ratified as Tyrone co-managers for another three years tonight. They've received no competition for a job uh, that they've held for an original three year term confirmation of that new reign will come after tonight's county board meeting okay very good Uh, Spurs have been spending some money they have indeed a busy day for Tottenham in the transfer market. They paid Wolfsburg an initial €40 million Euro for centre-back Mickey van de Ven. Spurs have also shelled out €14 million Euro for Rosario Central's 19-year-old striker Alejo Velas. Both players have signed six-year deals. Meanwhile, Bayern Munich remain interested in a deal for Harry Kane. The Bundesliga champions are ruminating over a €110 million Euro bid, including bonuses for the Spurs captain. Gary Neville on his overlap preview of the season put forward an interesting interpretation of what's going on with Harry Kane and Bayern Munich one which I hadn't considered before so in effect Harry Kane ultimately wants to stay in England he ultimately wants to become the Premier League's all-time uh, top goal scorer and ideally win some trophies as well and that they are his priorities and sacrificing all of that to go and win two Bundesliga titles before he retires not high on the agenda was his argument therefore he feels what's happening here is that he's had the conversation with Bayern Munich. He is waiting for Daniel Levy to say yes to a certain price, who will then go to Harry Kane and say, we've accepted a €110 million Euro bid, to which Harry Kane will say no to that bid. And then five minutes later, a bid will arrive from Manchester United for that exact amount. And Harry Kane will say, I will go to there, though. And you've already accepted that money for Bayern. United have bid that money. Let's wrap this up by next Tuesday. <laughs> Conspiracy. The dad no, is, that is the game. That but should Kane Daniel Levy well within his here. rights to say I don't want to sell you to a rival in our own league though well I, I suppose he is that was the do you know what I mean I don't think Harry it. has the like trump card over him it's like ah gotcha you know I think I think Spurs have always been quite clear on the fact they don't want to sell their, I think, their I think, big names I think to Neville's line there was he's dead in the water if he accepts that bid for that amount dead in the water if United come in with the same amount and yeah, that's just, I think, that's I think Neville's on. been a bit simplistic and usually looks at things from Manchester United's Viewpoint, I would say, rather than others. I don't know. It did strike me as like, geez, Harry's, if, if that is what Harry's doing, it's a bit more shrewd than when he went on the overlap two years ago and said, yeah, no, I want to leave Spurs. <laughs> Go to Man City. <laughs> yeah, absolutely destroyed by the fans. And Levy was like, I'm going to watch you break here after four days of abuse and apologise. It would be interesting if he's playing those kind of games, all right, yeah. Like, uh, the reports I read see that he does seem pretty up for going to Bayern Munich. Yeah. But is more I, I look I've That's what he wants you to think. He will just end up staying at Spurs for another season, won't he? And then just leaving a free. Maybe. And uh, to be fair, the conclusion to Neville's um conspiracy I think conspiracy is a theory theory is that if there's one negotiator in the world who's completely wise to what may be going on on the Kane side, it's Daniel Levy. Mm. Seized through this a mile away. And so that's yeah. why he'll keep saying no. He sees through this wild conspiracy theory that is in Gary Neville's brain. It could brain. be true. It could be true. Like, there's not- <laughs> if, he stay, if, if, if he stays on this season, I guarantee he'll sign a career-ending contract at the end of next season as well. Like, if, if he does stay, stay on this year... Him, like, yeah, he, yeah, he's oh. not going to go... If he, if he stays this year, he's not going to go on a free next. Mm, I don't know. I, I, think, don't know. I think he's sick of the place. I think he loves the place, but he's sick of the place. I think he needs, needs and wants out. Lads, it's Tottenham. Hurricane's <laughs> <laughs> had... 20 years of it yeah <laughs> you know yeah Arsenal meanwhile interesting signing here I mean there was a sense that as the as the end game arrived last year there was a weakness at goalkeeper and they've moved to address that 
Yeah, they've reached an agreement with Brentford for goalkeeper David Raya. No keeper made more saves in the Premier League last season than the Spaniard while at Brentford. Uh, Raya will provide competition for Aaron Ramsdale. Brentford could make as much as €35 million Euro for a player they signed from Blackburn four years ago for just €3 million. Yeah. Uh, lads, I can't wait for Jonathan and Philippe. Can you call it now? Your Premier League top four, says Anonymous. And then, am I mad or have Manchester United had a stealthily brilliant window here? And if Maguire goes... It will have been a serious few months. Title challenge, question mark, Dave in Dublin? Oh, well, let's not put nope. it down. And if Maguire goes, title challenge. Per <laughs> West Ham, though. Like, I mean, what, what, like West Ham just taking on the Everton role this year of saying, have you got any kind of excess over there, big clubs? Uh, yeah, we'll take it on. We'll take on Harry Maguire and McTominay. We'll spend an entire transfer budget on the two players. Yeah. I think McTominay, by the way, would be a very good signing for West Ham. I'm not, nece- not necessarily Ideal. talking down about him. But at yeah. the same time, there is just something so lazy about just going shopping in the Manchester United reserves. Mm-hmm. It's what all the mediocre clubs have done for a long time. The sense, I think, from Jonathan and Philippe is very much that Arsenal and Manchester United are most likely to challenge City. So Arsenal, their goalkeeper wrapped up today, Declan Rice in midfield, Timber from Ajax for €40 million, Euro, and then what do we call in Havertz? An educated punt? Good guy to have around, but yeah. we're not relying on him. Flexible, yeah. I would say as well. Can play like even in the, char- the community shield. He uh, moved back into midfield in the yeah. second half. You know, having started up front, very able and may blossom into something mm. you know akin to what he did in the European Cup final at that level. And then you got Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, all getting better. The they look good. The team as a whole improved. They look good on Sunday. Last I have year. to say, I thought you know they dominated the game. Now. It, it doesn't matter. It's no, it the community matter. shield, but I, I thought Arsenal looked a little bit better, and Rice didn't play well, and isn't that that isn't there yet, really? You know, so um, I don't know. I th- I'd be very interested in seeing how Arsenal can improve this year. There was another, uh, you know, um, there was another team that both players mentioned that both uh, Jonathan and Philippe mentioned. Uh, Villa, yeah, not Top four contenders, surely contenders, yeah, yeah. Mm. House Newcastle, surely. Newcastle in a strange place uh, total sea change for them to start the season with massive expectation and Champions League football mm-hmm. and it's not like they've recruited five new players no well they've brought in a few but yeah it doesn't seem like that they've like completely uh, upended the squad or anything yeah. like that to go and compete in the Champions League no like I think it's just Harvey Barnes again he'll fit right in no problem and Sandro Tonali for 65 million City are in this weird place where Okay, not to ignore Newcastle Vardy. have another big name on the way in this week, okay. but, yeah, but that's still only three players, yeah, and not, he's not there yet. Not to ignore Vardy, I'll sign for 85 million and, you know, had the whole world going, who's your man in the mask uh, during the World Cup? Because he's sensational, so he'll be a great acquisition. But then uh, elsewhere, you lose Gundogan, you lose Mares, you don't really bring anyone else in, and yet everybody says still. Well, despite the 18 goals that Gundogan contributed, goals and assists, and the 28 goals Mares contributed, goals yeah. and assists, everyone's saying, well, that'll be, they'll be fine, they're still City. Good chance Kyle Walker's gone in the next couple of weeks, you know? Apparently, no, Walker, as of Walker's today, staying. he's staying. Yeah. Oh, okay, I missed yeah. that news. Which okay. is important. I think so, because even if he doesn't play every week, he's still the guy that you... Um, you know, he seems to go to for those big okay. matchups and everything like that. Is Cancelo going to go or is he going to give him another chance? That's another question. I think he might be off to Barca. So, yeah, there's, I, yeah, the funny thing is about any of these transfer things is like the season starts next week, yeah. but we've still got another three weeks before we know what the squads are going to be for the season. And that's where you just never know what City. Yes. So, to the texture which started that conversation, do you want to give me your top four? 
I, I think it's very difficult, by the way, to know where Liverpool are going to pitch up. Yeah, and Chelsea. Where Chelsea are going Chelsea. to pitch up. Yeah. And then I, I'm, I'm presuming Postacoglo is not going to work miracles with an average Spurs side on paper, but then that's only a presumption. And then Newcastle. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a very tricky year to predict. So are we all saying City? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be bothered yeah, with those City predictions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Just coming soon. What do they mean? The they mean? <laughs> You're right. Don't mean anything. It's such uh, nonsense. You know, me. Brighton could finish fourth. Uh, as a final point on all this, and then we'll push on. I heard that same conspiracy theory in the overlap, Joe. It makes no sense. Why would Spurs have to accept United's bid? Levy just says no. It makes no sense. <laughs> Look, absolutely. He just said it with such authority that Levy is then dead in the water. Now, I think everyone went, yeah, 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 dead in the water then. I guess he could say no, but you do. You risk Kane really. <laughs> spitting at the dummy saying hang on now we've got you an amount of money here that's that you thought was fair and now it's not fair yeah it's just I guess not he does understand though it's the Spurs haven't made it Spurs haven't like it wouldn't be a gotcha moment Spurs haven't hid the fact that they're more willing to sell abroad than they are fair in England enough. yeah you okay. know fair enough give us 20 the idea of Levy extra, being, maybe yeah the idea of Levy being cut out like the end of Scooby-Doo like Man United <laughs> rock up with a check and he's like oh god you got me if it wasn't for those pesky Mancunians I know, it's not happening it's such a dramatic no. appealing Notion. Do United want Kane? Ah, they ah yeah. They would I, I didn't even get to the end of the sentence there without realising how ludicrous it sounds. hole in the squad. You know, they, they desperately yeah. need him. Uh, right, let's push on before clock really comes against us. Uh, Chelsea then in a bit of an, uh, trouble with the Premier League. Yeah, the Premier League investigating financial transactions made by Chelsea during Roman Abramovich's tenure at the club. The Times say Chelsea themselves reported the transactions made between 2012 and 2019. They include payments to offshore companies and at least one payment to a player's family. Meanwhile, Chelsea say new signing Christopher Nkunku faces an extended period out injured. The France striker joined from Orby Leipzig this summer, but picked up a knee problem in a pre-season friendly against Borussia Dortmund. No time frame has been given for his recovery, but it is thought he'll be sidelined until December uh, interesting times at Wolves I saw an interview with Matt Doherty uh, about a week ago where in so much as a new signing a re-signing that he is but in so much as a new signing could be downbeat about where he's just arrived yeah. he pretty much said yeah, yeah no this is uh, kind of notable we probably do need to do some so after the Celtic match here wasn't it yeah. this is yeah. kind of not he didn't say this but the the point was, this is not the club I left. And now it seems that Julian Lopetegui, he's not hanging around for the car crash. No, he's going to go. Hulan Lopetegui is set to leave his uh, role as Wolves manager on the eve of the new Premier League season. Discussions are ongoing about the termination of his contract. He has been left frustrated by Wolves' financial constraints in the market this summer. Former Bournemouth manager Gary O'Neill is being lined up as Lopetegui's <laughs> replacement. So... Bournemouth lose line nine nil. Gary Neal performs a miracle. He has now become the who do you call when you've under-resourced your Premier League team manager? <laughs> well, Gary Neal. I mean, he can do anything. <laughs> I mean, everyone said Bournemouth were gone. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. there's a degree of like, here's a few loaves and some fish, Gary. Make does, it happen. Does it? Does it? Does you know how many times did Jesus perform that miracle? You know, just once a, as far as I know. Once I've as only, far as I've I know. Only, yeah, I've only, yeah, I've only read that, uh, that I scripture a few I suppose times. it was implied he could have done it again if he needed to. And now we're going to see if Gary O'Neill can. It's <laughs> <laughs> called Gary O'Neill. Was that a Jesus reference? No, it wasn't. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> 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 Jesus. So, there he goes. Uh, uh, that does seem like a disaster. So, you know. Wolves are... Lobotegi, um, who's not a nothing manager, has looked at it and said, well, this is... I'm not hanging around to have my reputation tarnished here this is actually he, a mess 
just, he was clearly made promises at some point during the summer that haven't been kept because he had made noises about this between the end of the season and the start of pre-season where he's like oh, listen lads unless I get guarantees about cash that's going to be spent and whoever I'm able to bring in etc etc I'm going and they managed to twist his arm to stay and now we find ourselves uh, five days removed from the start of the season and he's gone I'm off this isn't happening uh, because I can't bring in whoever it is I want to bring in there, aren't, there isn't the funds here to make this team competitive we're just going to be in a relegation battle again so I'd like to know what has happened uh, between I guess uh, the middle of June and now whereby Lopetegui has gone from okay to yeah now I'm gone okay. it's because something hasn't happened there this is the issue we had a big long conversation there I think it was on Friday about like you know Wrexham and you know how fans and you know the private ownership are just they're just at the the mercy of them and this is the thing like Wolves have had a great few years but this could just happen they could just decide to stop investing and just to say enough's enough and we haven't got enough out of this and then you just collapse and fall apart this is the team do you remember like when Nuno was there and we were so excited about Matt Doherty like they had Jimenez at his best they had Moutinho when he was still in his prime Neves you know all these guys like this is an exciting team they bought that guy uh, Richie I'll know his name the Portuguese young lad for like you know 40 million or something like that he's never Some done Porter, anything yeah. do you know yeah. what I mean but it was like this was this was a club who could go out and get these you know young guys who are bound for greatness and it's just like what two years later they're just I would say there are, there are, I would say there yeah. if you're making predictions you're putting wolves in the bottom they're going three down. now yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, they have uh, financial fair play constraints which may or may not be connected to those massive signings over the last couple of years so um, that they're in real trouble in terms of their finances and have had the year of of, of uh, George Mendes for the last while yeah. in terms of their signings who's had a massive influence and it could turn out ultimately to be a malign one if they are forced down because they're definitely going to find themselves going from uh, a guy who was uh, once in charge of the Spanish national team to a guy who helped rescue Bournemouth for a while last season yeah uh, Mick mentioned Newcastle were making a signing so it's a fullback Rich yeah Newcastle completing the signing today of fullback Tino Liveramento from Southampton the England under 21 defender moves to St James's Park for a deal worth 37 million euro and Liveramento has signed a five year deal and his name sounds brilliant in Geordie bad luck for Dan Byrne his uh, makeshift left back era could be coming to an end yeah uh, Leon Maguire then so it's a major week it is and Leon Maguire has been grouped with the 2021 winner Anna Nordqvist and Korea's Jin Young Ko for the first two rounds of the Women's Open they'll go out just after 8am on Thursday morning at Walton Heath Stephanie Meadow tees off just before midday she'll be partnered by Grace Kim and Yoon Hee Ji also of Korea and not great news around the Champions League game yeah, UEFA postponed this evening's Champions League qualifier meeting of AEK Athens and Dinamo Zagreb. This after a fan was killed during fighting outside the Greek stadium last night. A 29-year-old died after being stabbed, while eight other fans were injured as rival groups clashed. 88 arrests have reportedly been made by police there. The match has been moved to either August the 18th or the 19th. Yeah, horrific, really. Um, what can you say? And then before we wrap up, she was what? three and a half years retired yeah three and a half years it was a third round defeat to Ons Jabour at the uh, Australian Open that ultimately ended Caroline Wozniacki's career for a while or at least put it on pause because she's made her return to competitive tennis three and a half years after retiring she was a 6-2 6-2 victor this evening over the world of 115 Kimberly Burrell in Montreal so a winning return for Wozniacki okay very good Richie McCormack thank you nice and lads We'll be listening after 10. Rich filling in for Tom Dunn this evening. Michael McCarthy back for a slight tangent later on.